Welcome back to Hedging Happiness. We have episode, is this five or six, Luke? I can't even remember. This is episode six, five. Five. We'll go Final with answer. five. Episode five. Jeez, time is flying. If you know, we finally kind of got the ball rolling. If things feel normal now with the podcast. We've finally got into that weekly routine. Anyways, heck of an intro. What a start. This episode, we're going to recap week five. Again, we're going to have a new segment, hot or not. We're going to preview week six. We have a new guest on this week, Matt Howley. And as always, the snake draft of best TV shows. So let's get started with our week four recap. Why don't you get us going, Luke, with the uh, Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia game? Yeah, I think it's important to just lump these two together because they're the same story. There are very clearly two teams at the top of college football and then the rest. Alabama and Georgia will end at one and two. I don't know the order, but let's stop kidding ourselves. I was wrong about both of these picks, which we'll get to later. Alabama and Georgia are just so far ahead of the crowd. And I try and identify... What is it that makes them so much better? Obviously, Nick Saban's good. Kirby Smart's fine. He, he, he does fine. But they have by far the most talented teams in the country. They're constantly at the top of the rivals' rankings, and it's tough to lose when you have the best teams. You can't out, if you have a serviceable coach, you can't out-scheme them. Ole Miss, you know, had this game circled from the very beginning. Lane Kiffin playing against his former head coach. Everyone wants to be that assistant coach that takes down Saban for the first time. Didn't matter how much preparation he put into it, Alabama's just too talented. And Arkansas, they probably didn't have Georgia circled. They probably didn't expect to be in this position where they were undefeated going into this game number eight. But Georgia just ran train on them. It it wasn't even close. Twenty one nothing before you could even turn before I even turned it on, and then. Didn't even, I, I mean, they may have passed midfield a couple times, didn't even get a sniff. So it's not worth going into too much detail on these two teams, Alabama, Georgia, going to be in the top at the end of the year. No question about it. Yeah, it almost looked like Georgia was an NFL team and Arkansas was a college football team. And that's almost a good way to put it because it was men versus boys out there. Georgia has had the top recruiting class for maybe two of the last four years. And Arkansas is revitalizing their program but you just can't compare the two the the thing about georgia will be can they get really good quarterback play and stetson bennett's doing fine you know he's he's getting them from point a to point b can he beat bama tbd yeah those are all good points another game that we had penciled in was number seven cincinnati at number nine notre dame cincinnati ended up winning that game 24 to 13 and really, for me, the story of the game was turnovers. And f- turnovers for Notre Dame. The first drive, they look good. They march the ball down the field, convert a fourth down, keep marching the ball, and interception on the one-yard line. And when you play in these big games, you can't, you just can't do that and expect to be able to scrape by. Kind of like they have done earlier with some of their earlier games in the season where they've made mistakes, they end up winning because the teams they've played are less talented. 
I still don't think Cincinnati's a more talented team than Notre Dame. I just think Notre Dame made too many mistakes, too many mistakes against a good football team, an experienced football team, and ultimately they couldn't climb out of the hole that they dug themselves in. I think another problem that they experienced in that game was a lack of a true quarterback. They ended up playing three quarterbacks. The phrase is, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. What's the phrase for if you have three quarterbacks? Like, we got, we got to make something up for, for what Notre Dame's about to do. I mean, you might as well play four next week. Play one every quarter. Throw it out there. Let's invent the wheel. The If you're Cincinnati and if you're any team, sometimes coaches – will not reveal, especially early in the season, who their starting quarterback is so that you have to prep for both. You could get a runner, you could get a pocket passer. You don't know what you're getting. It makes things a little bit more complicated. When the coach is playing three quarterbacks, I think the defense is actually like, okay, like we got them. They don't know what they're doing. They're not trying to confuse us. They're actually confused. And that's kind of what Notre Dame experienced. I feel like it's difficult for Notre Dame, like their own players. Who's going to come out on this drive? Who's going to come out on the next drive? Oh, you did well that drive? Well, you're not going back out there this one. It's a crapshoot, and it's a roll of the dice for which quarterback is going to go out there. Everyone did not have any real expectations of winning college football playoff this year. If If you were a Notre Dame, if you're not a Notre Dame fan, they didn't really have a chance. I'm curious now what they're going to do with that quarterback position. Certainly Jack Cohn can't still be running out there. He's out after this year. You have to turn to Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner. You, you have to. And I still think those two guys could potentially p- compete to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. Um, we'll see, though. This feels like the beginning of an avalanche a little bit. Notre Dame kept the avalanche from happening, kept the avalanche from happening, but now... The first snowball is rolled, and it feels like it. if you're not trying to stay undefeated, then what's another loss? What's another loss? What's another loss? And I have a feeling that they're going to stop eking out these games, and they'll, they'll start losing because they don't have that extra fire of, could we make the college football playoff? But we'll see. Yeah, if there is a year to get in with one loss, it would be this year, and I guess that would be the... Um the counterpoint to that right we'll see a lot of football left within the season fair and finally the game i wanted to touch on not really a featured game but i haven't had many victories this year moral or monetary florida number 10 florida goes down at kentucky and i've been singing the praises of this kentucky team from the very beginning of the season and it finally happened i think it was their First win at Kentucky against Florida in 40 years. Second win in 40 year total in 40 years. This Kentucky team's like not bad. I honestly watched the game and they're not super impressive. I was more disappointed in Florida's play than I was impressed by Kentucky. But there's some grit there. Like they buy into their what their coach says. I think they have a good coach. Their fan base is so probably surprised they have a, a football team. So in, very interested to see how they do for the rest of the year. They play, I believe it's Georgia in two weeks. 
So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. I think yeah, Kentucky's been a team that you've been really solid with within your picks this year, which kind of brings us to our last week's picks. Which again, I don't know what's going on. We are horrible at this. We are terrible. You, at what point do you think like it's supposed to be a fifty-fifty chance, right? And my, we are batting. We have a great baseball average right now. Like a very solid, you'll make an all-star game around, you know, 300, 330. That's what our average is. If you're trying to make money on gambling, that's not what you want. You, do, you don't want a baseball batting average. And that's currently what we have. I've tried it both ways. And it, the ever-elusive win is being very elusive. I took Tennessee plus the points. I took Ole Miss plus the points. Arkansas plus the points. I've taken team Ohio State, you name it, minus the point. I can't, I can't zero in. I don't understand college football this year. And I just, I wonder if it's Georgia-Bama and then anyone can be anyone on any given day, but what can influence spreads are rankings, right? And I wonder if I'm just a victim to the number, the the ranking in front of the the name, I gotta figure it out. I'm I'm about to try some another set of picks. Surely, surely it has to revert to the mean at some point. We we do need it to revert to the means. I went one and three. My only win was Michigan, Boise, Oregon. My lock of the week, Army missed again. I think I'm off Army for this year. I'm I'm gonna say it. I think I'm off of them. I don't think you will be seeing another Army pick from me this year. It's a sad day, but at this point, a lot of the Sundays, a lot of the Mondays are all sad days when you keep looking at my record, and I keep stockpiling the losses. If you're listening, you can't see Beasler say this, but he's actually wearing camo as he he (laughs) jumps off the Army train, so I'm sure an Army pick will be in, in the future sometime soon. I'm, I'm trying to hide from my picks. I'm trying to hide. I don't want to be associated with them. I mean, what what do we do? I honestly don't know. Do you pick the te- make the picks and put them on a piece of paper and then say, I'm just going to pick the opposite? I was pretty close. That feels dangerous, though. Yeah, it does. I'll get into a strategy once we get to week six. We'll touch on that. Before we get to the picks, though, let's get into our new segment, Hot or Not. Let's have you kind of explain it and ask the first question then. Yeah, so these are some potentially inflammatory statements that we are going to decide if they are hot or not takes. So I will ask you the first one. So for example, real quick, for example, this would be a take and you tell me hot or not. We've got this whole gambling picks figured out. Hot or not? Hot. Very, very <laughs> hot. <laughs> okay, just making sure I understood. All right, why don't you ask the first question? First one, I think it's a, a softball. Alabama and Georgia are the two best teams, and then the rest is completely unclear. Yeah, that's not a hot take. It's very clear. Those two are tier one. And I don't even know if there's a tier two, but tier one, not a hot take there. Alabama, Georgia, one, two. 
The next hot or not is Oklahoma, our favorite team. They're going to make the college football playoff. This is not a hot take. He's back, baby. (laughs) He's back on the wagon. Look, in a year where everyone just wants to lose, it feels like. Oregon, Ohio State, Penn State, and or Iowa are going to lose this week. Uh, Clemson, every Notre Dame, everyone's trying as hard as they can to lose and doing a good job. I give a little bit of credit to Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma for eking out wins. Even though they're against bad teams, I don't care. They're winning. That's how you make the college football playoff. You win games. Next one, a non-Power 5 team will make the college football playoff. And just to give everyone a feel for the ones in contention, you have number five, Cincinnati, number 15, Coastal Carolina, and number 10, BYU. This is going to be not a hot take, only because of Cincinnati. I think if Coastal Carolina and BYU both go undefeated, I still don't think they get in. I think the only team that has a chance is an undefeated Cincinnati. And so far, they're doing what they need to do. So that's not a hot take. The next one, ooh, this one's good. The Clemson dynasty is over. Hot or not? That, that is not a hot take. Bye-bye, Dabo. I, I think they have some, some issues that they can't just get out of. One, they just do not recruit at the same level as some of these other powerhouse teams. I know that they've traditionally been at powerhouse since the college football playoffs started, but they're not getting they're not high in the recruiting rankings. Top 10 sure, but there are a lot of teams in the top 10 that go in and out. I think this year could be the dagger. On top of it, you have a extremely attractive SEC conference to compete with now, and it's not going to help recruiting going forward. It's not going to help money, it's not going to help anything. On top of it, they finally don't have a a overall top five quarterback pick and now they're struggling it's not a coincidence they were ride and die by their quarterback play which a lot of teams are but people were putting them with with bama with ohio state and they're just they're not clemson dynasty over next one ed orgeron will be fired this year hot or not I'm going to say that's a hot take. I think that national championship gives him a decent buffer of average to mediocre seasons. I think they're showing improvement from last season. I think he'll do enough for sure to be fine this year. I think his seat will be a little warm come next year, though. But that statement right now is hot. He will be a head coach of the LSU Tigers next season, no doubt. Last one, Ohio State gonna make the college football playoff hot or not so i i I really want to say this is a hot take but i can't i think they're gonna find a way to get into the playoff they're the last two weeks they've been crushing teams and if they continue to crush teams they're gonna put together some big wins they're gonna knock out some big 10 teams they'll end up beating iowa potentially right in the big 10 championship and then they're in. They're in with the one loss, the way this season has gone. They will get in with the one, with just one loss. 
All right, so I'm gonna put you. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Give me your top four college football playoff teams right now. Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, Ohio State. In that order. What about you? Alabama, Georgia. God, I want to put. I want to put. I, I'll go Ohio State and I'll go Oklahoma. We're gonna get a. Pretty, we're gonna think that this is gonna be a new chapter, new teams, everything, and it's gonna be the same old teams as it was as every year. Why? Well, I, I like the optimism. That's the Oklahoma future bet in you speaking. I'm, I'm drinking the I'm drinking the Kool Aid. You you certainly are, but they're undefeated so far, so they don't lose. They're in. That's that's my thought process. I think I checked recently. You can cash out your Oklahoma bet at like ten percent of the invested value if you want. By the way. Hmm. Don't love it. I'll write it. I'll write it. That's a good segue, though, into our week six preview. We have number six, Oklahoma, versus number 21, Texas. The Red River Showdown played at the Cotton Bowl. The all-time series record. What do you think it is? How many? They've played, ooh, quick maths, 116 games. How many? Who's who's leading? It's... Because Oklahoma's won the last six or something like that, right? You gotta, you gotta what's think the, okay, that Texas what's the, is ahead. What's the current win streak? Is it six? It is Oklahoma at three games. Oh, really? Yeah. So Texas snuck one in. I was that wasn't that. Uh, oh, was I Sam bet that Dicker's, game. Yes, Sam Dicker's freshman year. <laughs> Dicker the kicker. <laughs> That's where he became famous. Anyways, the all-time record, 62-49-5 to Texas. So it's pretty close. Pretty close. Texas, I don't even know. That's going way back when. But certainly the tide is on Oklahoma's side. This is a big, if we bring it back to last week's segment, real or fake, it's kind of a real or fake game, I think, for both teams. If OU can win this game, it at least gives them some sense of confidence and momentum that hey we beat our rival we beat a good rival in texas we can go undefeated we're going to be in the college football playoff coming into the year for texas we've heard it before if they win we will hear it again texas is back i think if they win this game they have a decent argument at that what do you think yeah i think this is one of the games that when we made our Oklahoma futures bet, we had circled, right? Because we didn't really know what Sark was going to do at Texas. And I think people pushed them aside once they lost to Arkansas, but they're four and one now and looks like they have some momentum. It's not going to be an easy game. I think Oklahoma's favored by three and a half, which is probably a fair line. But like you said, there's probably a handful of games Oklahoma has circled for the rest of their season this being one maybe iowa state being another and they know if they get through those they're in the college football playoff i think that's fair the other game and the biggest game of the week is penn state at iowa number four at number three look i i go back and forth on who i think the edge is going to go to and the line's kind of reflecting that i think it's fluctuated from two and a half to one and a half in favor of Iowa. This game, Iowa does not have to win this game. They are on a the joke side of the Big Ten. They can lose this game, win the rest of their games, and then 
play whoever in the Big Ten Championship, win that, and make it to the college football playoff. Penn State cannot afford to lose this game. They play this game at Iowa. They play at Ohio State. They host Michigan. Then they play at Michigan State. They are going to drop one of those games. I think they have to assume that. And so I think this, of the games I just mentioned, is maybe the third, second or third most winnable. I don't know anything about Penn State outside of their record, but if I were to bet, I would bet Penn State strictly from a they-have-to-win perspective. Yeah, and who would have thought going into this game that this was going to be one of the best on paper slash just pure rankings, this is going to be the best game of the year that we've seen so far. I don't think this game is going to matter at the end of the year. Because, again, I think I'm Ohio State. I think they get in the Big Ten. I just don't think these teams have enough quality. We've been high on Iowa. But after watching Georgia play, these teams can't compete with them. Ohio State could at least compete. So I, I think it will be a great spectacle. But I don't think it'll matter come the end of the year. But we watch week to week, so it'll be a great game to watch. So those are our two big games for the week six preview. Next, we're going to get into our guest segment with Matt Howley. Welcome to the show, Matt. We are excited to have you on. Have you listened or heard anything about the show so far? Let's get started with that. Yeah, I have. I've actually listened to every episode. I won't be the only person that has listened to everything start to finish. So, um, yeah, I know a little bit what goes on here. So I'm interested to, to see where you guys are heading this week. And hopefully I've got something for the listeners as well. That's awesome. We have Faras on last week who listened to the first 20 minutes of episode <laughs> one. And now we've got a true listener on. We are excited to have you on. So let's go a little bit of background about you to get started. Correct me if I'm wrong, you're the Director of Performance at Real Salt Lake now? Yep, correct. Correct, and you came from the University of Notre Dame, which obviously is where we all met. What was your job title there? Uh, so I started off as an intern in strength and conditioning, then went to assistant strength and conditioning coach, and then was Director of Sports Science for the last three years or so. That's how it works at uh, at Notre Dame. You're, you're an intern for a while, and then when you get the lowest man on the totem pole job, you're for the soccer team. Uh, maybe not the lowest, the second lowest, I'd what's, say. Is probably what's below starts. us? Uh, uh, rowing, because that's what I got <laughs> left with. <laughs> probably, uh, probably golf as well. I ended up with golf teams. Then I had to assume women's tennis as well, so that was always fun, like having all those sports. So, yeah, it was, it was good fun. Um, met some great people along the way, for sure. Definitely overqualified to be the... Um, you know, the sports science guy for the soccer team. Didn't take you very long to accelerate through the ranks. No, it didn't take too long. Um, yeah, like ended up joining football for the last, what, nine months while I was there, which so that was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, just like having the ability to work with all the sports as director of sports science was was good fun. Um, it just opened my eyes to a lot of different sports and a lot of different things and meeting like a lot of interesting people, like coaches are inherently very interesting people, so you learn a lot, or sometimes you don't learn a lot from them um, as you work with different coaches. I feel like with all these sports that you have coached and all these different athletes that you have coached, it's got to make you better at your job, right? Because every sport, the strengths or what you need to be good at 
for in terms of your physical traits, they're all different depending on the sport, right? And I feel like you potentially as a you know strength and development coach, director of performance, you could specialize in a few areas or f- specialize in the sport that you coach. But you having taught, coached so many different sports, you, you've got to have one of like the wider skill sets compared to some of the other coaches maybe in the industry or how does that how do you feel like that translates yeah it's very interesting from the standpoint of um like some sports are very receptive to having someone that has a multifaceted skill set um, which i've obviously developed working in a bunch of different sports um, or with a bunch of different sports so that's one thing but yeah like from being able to like employ different strategies and those kind of things like that's what it i feel like gives me the best ability to do so like like when you come to soccer like there's things that you can pull on from other sports whether it's afl whether it's american football whether it's golf whether it's tennis whether it's rowing like some of the physical development aspects in those sports um can definitely help a soccer player and then conversely like what we do in soccer as or has happened day-to-day in soccer for many years can transfer to those sports and sometimes like provide some impact as well so like something that, that you guys are pretty aware of, like we do a, a ton of sprinting and a lot of fast running, which like maybe inherently in soccer is not all that common or has become more commonplace recently. And that's obviously the basis for American football. So like using things from different sports and, and different strategies to, to build different qualities, to put athletes in the best position for success is, is one, of the, one of the big goals for sure. One, one question I had, because I didn't realize that you worked with the football team at Notre Dame right before you left. What were some of the big differences in what was asked of you to prepare the you know football players versus when you're with us on the soccer team? Did you have more flex, more uh, responsibility with us or them? Were they a little bit more like detailed in what they wanted? Uh, just tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so it's interesting, like with football, uh, it was a very specific role as a sports scientist, data analyst. Um, So there was little coaching going on. It was a lot of data collection and and helping them decipher the data, which that comes from the director of sports science role that I was in and and transferring that skill set over to them. So there wasn't like running warm-ups, a ton of stuff in the gym and those kind of stuff, which was a lot of the, the scope of what it was with the soccer team along with some data analytics and doing some other interesting stuff um, with Under Armour and those kind of things. But yeah, with the football team, it was very much like like helping them understand what happens in a training session, what happens in a game, what the physical demands are, because they'd never tracked anything like this before. And, and at that point, like some football teams had been using it for probably three or four years, like Florida State was an early adopter and then Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL were another early adopter. But like, it was just like when Notre Dame adopted, it was when Alabama started using it, some of these other really big schools as well. So from that standpoint, it was just trying to understand what the movement demands were of the game specifically, like from an intensity standpoint, and then how much workload certain players were putting in and trying to help the coaching staff understand how to better manage their athletes in general. So it's obviously a unique system where you have a head coach then you have a coordinator across offense and defense, and then obviously position coaches within those systems as well. So from that standpoint, it definitely makes it um, a lot more interesting um, in, in how things are getting communicated, where like at the, the way it worked with us is our head strength coach would essentially pass the information on to Coach Kelly, and then he would like use it or decipher that as needed, essentially. So that was sort of the, the process in how things went. Yeah, that's very interesting. It, it's funny, too, how 
your role and what you do and what's expected of you can change so much depending on the sport, depending on the head coach. All of that can change, which is really fascinating. I should have started with this because some of the listeners are probably curious about your accent. You are an Aussie. Yes. I should have introed with that, so I apologize with that. Why don't you, let's get into some of the gambling as we get in here. And obviously being so involved within sports, I'm sure you have a little bit of involvement as well within sports gambling. Um, and did that originate maybe in Australia or did that come more organic when you came to the States? Why don't you talk about that? No, sports gambling's in my blood. It's been in my family for a long time, similar to Luke. So mine started off um, with my dad. He, he's a, he's, him and his best mate are uh, big into the horse racing and stuff at home. And that's sort of a big family thing for me at home now is, is horse racing. Um, so like my parents or even I'm a member still at the moment, but yeah, well, they have memberships to one of the tracks. So they're going regularly, all that kind of stuff pre-COVID. And yeah, I was going to the track with my dad. I think the first time it was like a boy's day out. I think I was like eight. So like, yeah, I've been at the track betting with him since I was eight. So for me, it's it's what that what's that now? Like 25 years. So it's been a long time in the gambling arena for me. So it's been good fun. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we've been going to the track. Like there'd be one day that we'd go to together and then I sort of had to earn my age or earn my stripes to start going to a bigger day with him. And then like, and then as like, I played less sport or as things become more accessible, we would go more often essentially. So yeah, so that's where it all started for me is at the horse races. And then like obviously sports gambling became a little bit bigger at home. And then it's now, it's very big back home. You've been able to bet on everything forever where over here it's become pretty mainstream, I'd say in the last four to five years. So for me, it's like, it's a, it's a very interesting aspect because obviously depending on the sport I'm in and the job I have, you obviously cannot be betting in those sports for legal reasons and those kind of things. But um, like, yeah, like being now that it's, it's just pro soccer, it makes it pretty accessible whether it's Australian football whether it's like horse racing whether it's American football basketball whatever it is like you can definitely enjoy punt uh, when you have some time so you can't sorry can, can you bet on college football or pro football like yes like, yeah so so, okay. so pro football yeah because it's like it's not associated with our league and all that kind of stuff so it's completely fine um so it's more like you can't bet on soccer so um so whether that's like i don't bet on any soccer like that's just like a standpoint i have because it's obviously associated i don't know how specific they are around the rules and that kind of stuff but yeah i don't bet on soccer because that's a sport i'm in and then vice versa when i was in the collegiate setting i didn't really bet on any american sport while i was in in there and obviously gambling wasn't big back in 2015 2016 really anyway you had to sort of be in vegas or somewhere where there was an actual bookie to put a bet on so from that standpoint yeah um i've really it really was horse racing for me up until probably like a couple of years ago until like it became locker room talk at RSL and then and then as it became more locker room talk it, it sort of ventured down to all right we're going to get involved on in this when you're in Australia do people and I think you still well you're in the states during football season for the most part do people do Australians bet American football like NFL college football 
Is that huge to them? Uh, not huge, but like if you've got an interest in games or in a team and stuff like that, like they will bet it for sure. So, like I got a couple of a couple of mates at home that that do bet on American football and and really like it. And it's real bizarre. Like my dad has since he came over and went to a game and stuff has become like he prefers to watch that because it stops start and it's easier to devote your attention to than than watching soccer or AFL maybe, which is very continuous. So for him, he prefers to watch that. He doesn't he doesn't really bet on it. Maybe I'll give him a tip every now and again. So and so he's gonna win. Um, but yeah, um, beyond that, it's not as popular as obviously it is betting over here, but it still does happen quite a bit. Betting soccer is one of the worst things that worst sports to bet. It's constantly stressful. You know, you can't score if the ball's all the way on the other side of the field. You got to wait for it all the way down to your side. And then if you win and a team, you know, starts loading it up, it's super stressful in the end. Like it's just, there's, there's like very few, like, absolute blowouts it's uh i i do not enjoy it and i was wondering do you people not bet it because isn't it wouldn't it be like at weird hours of the day like college football or pro football yeah it's probably more you betting like the like the big saturday night game or something on because so like for example like right now i think today i was i was on a zoom call earlier and it was 6 30 in the morning there and that was 1 30 mountain time which is obviously 3 30 eastern so yeah so you probably have some people that would bet from the late afternoon NFL games and then United NFL games and then people would um, would also be betting like potentially the evening college football games on a Saturday that Sunday morning especially if you had a big night or maybe people are betting the other ones if they had a big night out and they just want to throw a few dollars on as they're walking through the casino on the way home could definitely achieve that as well I know we've done that before back in the day so yeah it, um, people do better it's just it's definitely not as popular but I would say it's becoming a lot more popular with like the coverage that all these sports are getting over there a lot of my buddies bet NBA that kind of stuff that's where that's where they're betting right now because like that still probably holds the market share of the audience back home the old 2 3 4 a.m bet as you're walking out of a casino when has that ever failed right those ones always win that's when you're trying that's to dig funny. yourself out of a hole or double up your uh, your winnings yeah you're never perfectly comfortable like that was a good night let's we're gonna you, you walk away with those nights it's when you're chasing or you're trying to double yeah so Hallie, you said I'm, I'm curious about the ponies that you're in i have been to two kentucky derbies had terrible success because i didn't really know what i was doing but i had a great time at the kentucky kentucky derby it was a great event a great experience I didn't really gamble all that much because, again, I didn't really know what was going on. Do you have any stories about the ponies? Yeah, so I've got two decent ones. Um, so the first one was uh, it was a Caulfield Cup. So, for example, that's probably like Melbourne Cup at home is the big race. That's the it race, like your Kentucky Derby. So imagine like one of the, the lead-up derbies at the Arkansas Derby or Florida Derby, whatever it is, leading up to the Kentucky Derby. It's the big lead-up race. So we're there on that day, and I think it was like race six, and I'm probably like 14 at this point, and my dad and um, his best mate always put on like box trifectas, each pick two horses, and then like obviously try and try and get some bigger wins rather than just betting straight on the nose or that kind of stuff to win. So we're there, and they get to race six, and they they just picking random horses, and they they're known for picking a lot of long shots and trying to obviously get a big return rather than chipping away at it across a period of time. So. Race comes, it's a short sprint race, things like 1100 meters, so like almost six furlongs. And they're 
they're there and they're watching and then they've obviously got the winner they've got the second horse and then they're like oh shit the other ones are down the track and i'm like no 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 you you the the other one ran home and got third it was like 100 to one kind of thing like rank outsider and they're like no way and then the numbers start popping on the screen i think it was like six 13 and 11 and that was their numbers then their next number they had was 12 and i think it then went like 9 12 or something so they had four out of the first five and they're like, oh, like wrong one got third. And they were like, they were just like moaning, like standard, like wanted more money to come up. And then they've looked at the screen and my old man's like, 1400 bucks. What a joke. Like, that's a joke. Like there's that had to pay more than that. And I'm like, dude, it's 14 grand. Like you got to realize. And then, so he's like, no way. And then like, they've obviously had a bit to drink. And then, so then we go out to collect and yeah, it's obviously $14,000 and it was like a $10 bet that's returned 14,000 for them. So they're, like, they're just like celebrating, loving it. And then, um, then for the rest of the day, like I'm 14 walking around a racetrack with like five grand of stuff in my pocket and I've got no idea what to do as I've never seen that amount of money before in my life. So, so that, that was pretty cool. And then the second one for me was a $3 mystery trifecta in a Melbourne cup. I just, it was my first What year. in the world like, is a three dollar mystery trifecta so basically you go to the the betting agency or the bookie and you essentially go like randomly the computer gives you three horses in the race right (laughs) so so it gives you three random horses so i'm like and then like this there was a horse going to win like the third melbourne cup in a row never been done so it was like a huge event and we're down at a buddy's beach house um as it's a long weekend public holiday so we're hanging out at this beach house we go down in the morning it's the first year i'm 18 to be able to actually go and put my own bets on and stuff so we're down there um we go there and i've i'm like 20 dollars on this 20 dollars on that and then i have three dollars left out of the 50 dollars that i put in the machine so i just go three dollar mystery bet okay cool um and then it gives me one eight and 16 of the numbers and number one's the favorite the horse that's going to win the race basically and so we're watching the race and we're back at my buddy's place and it's like like one goes to the lead and everyone's like losing their shit. It was people who had like $20 on number one doing like 60 bucks. So you're 18, you're just loving it. You're going to back the winner kind of thing. Then I realized that number eight's like looming up and I'm like, fuck, I got eight on this ticket here. All right, let's like, hopefully eight runs a good race. And then all of a sudden I start seeing 16 just flash down the outside. So I'm just like, so like my buddy's like, I'm like, dude, I just got that. And he's like, no way. And I show him the ticket. And he's like, how much is this going to pay? And I'm like, oh, probably like a couple hundred bucks at this point. Like you just don't expect him to pay a lot. Then it ends up returning six grand. So you're oh 18, you get a $3 mystery bet that returns six grand. And then I was saving for a car at this point. So I already had the first six grand I needed for my car. And that was the, the second half that paid for my first car. So basically a $3 mystery trifecta turned, it turned into a car for me, essentially. That's incredible. So I, I'm pretty sure I know what a trifecta is. But in short a trifecta is where you have three horses that need to finish first second and third yes correct and that's when you'll get these really big odds because it's essentially if we put it into football terms it'd be very similar to a parlay right yes where everyone has to hit your horse that you chose to get first has to get first horse that you chose second to get second and then third correct yeah, that's correct. But the thing with it is, is you also, you're basically, the amount of wage that's gone into that race as well will also contribute to the odds. So it's not like, okay, you've got a horse paying $3, a horse paying 6 and a horse paying 12 and you multiply it and then you go, okay, it's 3 by whatever that equals 60 or whatever the number is. It then becomes like some huge number. So for me, I was lucky 
the first horse was like a three dollar like um three dollar favorite uh in horse racing terms the second one was paying $16 to win the race. And the one that came third was like $66 to win the race. So like the multiples of that, because like people didn't think number 16 had much of a chance to even running the first three, really obviously escalated my odds. And and like in that race every year, they, they generally say it's generally between five and 10,000 is the output on the first three that come. So like mine was maybe a little bit lower than the law of averages, but it was still it was still a nice collect when you're 18. Like you've never, you've never had that much money paid out to you in one hit for sure. Not bad for a three dollar bet. Matt's mystery trifecta is literally the exact opposite of Max's negative eight thousand money line bet on Fresno State. <laughs> I think the best, like one of the best parts about both of those stories, and we've kind of talked about it earlier in previous shows, is you remember exactly the numbers of yep. the horses, and you're never gonna forget them until you hit a bigger bet, right? Yeah. Then you might, you'll still maybe remember it, but then you get a new set of numbers that you'll never forget. And it is funny. When you hit big on a bet, you remember everything about that bet, how you were feeling at this exact moment, which is awesome. Three numbers, two different horse races, and a lot of money for you. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, it's funny. Like I took like my six mates that I was with out to dinner, and like we're just drinking up at like some local pub and stuff afterwards. Like It was... It was like one of the most epic days as you're 18 and you're just like, we're just going to live as kings for one night kind of thing. So it was, it was pretty cool. But yeah, those, those same numbers, I put those numbers on every year now in Melbourne Cup just because it's one of those fluky things. If they ever got first, second, third again, I'd, I'd kill myself for not having those numbers in a bet. That's interesting. And it's a great story as well. We've had two, the last two guests now with some really, really good gambling stories, which is always fun to hear. You know, it's great to hear Luke and I shut up for a little bit and hear some other good stories. We're going to transition back away from gambling and kind of ask a hypothetical here. And we're going to put you on the spot a little bit. And it's not, it'll be a little challenging, but let's go with who do you think are the top three to top five best athletes in the world? Right now. Right, right, right at this second. Wow. That is that is very tough. There's obviously no right or wrong answer, but I'm curious to hear what you have to think. Yeah, no, um, it's very interesting just because of the way sports are played and, and what's involved in them and those kind of things. Are we talking physical prowess within sports or are we talking about the total package? I think this is the beauty of the question. Like everyone always asks, oh, what do you mean by athlete? Like this is totally like your, by your sports science definition however you want to answer the top five athletes you could put tom brady and you know phil mickelson and one and two whatever you want because they're obviously fantastic athletes right yeah but it's just it's a different kind of athlete yeah like the the best athlete like all-rounded athlete in the world is still lebron um for me like he's still number one like i know brady's 44 45 now but what what LeBron is doing physically, um, like not that Tom doesn't have to do physical stuff, um, because it's obviously a super demanding game as well. But I think some of the outputs that LeBron still has is still pretty insane. So he would probably be be up there as around number one, and then you'd have. I think Cristiano Ronaldo, because what he brings to the game, like both from a physical aspect and a technical tactical aspect in soccer, uh, would definitely be up there. Um, that's not saying Messi's not a better player than him, but I think from when you're looking at the total package, I think he has a little bit better total package. And to me and where I come from, that's um, 
that's super important and I think that's that's really valuable. Um, and then like when you start looking at some other sports to not just like favor a certain couple of sports, like to me, Aaron Donald, I think Aaron Donald's up there, like what he produces from a physical aspect. Like you see some of the videos, like a former fr- or a friend of mine uh, used to be his former coach in the off season. So I've seen a lot of maybe more insight on Twitter and Instagram than what, what the public see on Aaron Donald. So I think he would be up there and that's someone that people in Australia wouldn't uh, wouldn't necessarily know uh, very well being a D lineman in the NFL. Um, the next two people, who, who else would I have up on there? Um, I would have had Usain Bolt, but he's retired, so I can't I can't put him in the in that list anymore. Um, he still might be, for all we know. Yeah, no, he probably still is. Um, he's like, yeah, what that man did is something else. I don't think that'll ever get matched. It just would have been nice if he had to go on one, two, and four in one Olympics and be a bit greedy from from my liking. I would have liked to have seen that. Um, yeah, golf is an interesting one. I don't feel like there's any golfers just because of the the well roundedness. Um, the next person I'm going to put on my list uh, is Novak Djokovic. Uh, to me, tennis is the most well-rounded physical event there is from the standpoint of you need every fitness quality. Obviously, you don't need the size as much as some other sports, but speed, power, agility, endurance, strength, upper body strength, lower body agility, it's its pretty insane. To me, tennis athletes are some of the, the most fit athletes in the world, so I would, I would definitely have him uh, on my list as well as ultimately he's arguably the best tennis player to, to ever play. And then last person to round out the list, um, who would Not I including me, not including me. Uh, I think Vince would, I think Vince would challenge you for being on the list or so he'd say anyway. Um, who else would go on this list? Um, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head who else is... Who else would I have on a list like this? I'm just trying to think, like female athletes. Which female athlete would would rank up on a list like this? Um, like Serena was obviously Serena, like number one. Yeah, she was number one, but like like she's obviously tailing off a little bit right now. Um, I think she's the best female athlete I've seen perform. Yeah, yeah, like in that's, her prime. That's the same as Tiger, though. Like, I would have Tiger number one on the list. Like, I think what he did uh, in a game completely rejuvenized a game, like, in the way it was played, like, longer, stronger, more powerful, obviously, technical, tactical. Uh, like, the next person, I don't know, I'd probably say, like, a swimmer. Like, whether you, like whether it's Katie Ledecky or uh, McEwen from Australia, one of those two would probably be the last one. Like, an Olympic, someone that's just gone and dominated the Olympics. Like, one did it this Olympics and the other one's done it the two prior. So, I'd say one of those two would probably be the next one that I'd have on the list right now. Probably not the Australian, but Ledecky sounds good. No, but the Aussie, the Aussie won more medals this Olympics, so she's more current. So, we'll go with that one. Okay, that sounds fine. Here's another question related to the bet top five athletes here. Who are the top five athletes that you've coached? Oh, okay. I knew this one was coming. Um, so I have a guy that, like, when you, so if we're talking about this again, it's through the similar kind of lens. I was fortunate enough to coach a number one draft pick in the AFL. Um, so he would go on the list. Like, to go number one pick in any sport is pretty insane, in my opinion. Um, so I would have him. What about uh, number five? Uh, number five's okay, but in MLS, there's not a lot of picks though. That's the only issue you have there. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, so I don't know if number five will cut the cake in this list. Um, but yeah, Johnny Patton I'd have on my list just purely because number one draft pick, 
like huge human. Like we're talking like for American people, like six. What is he? I think he he was probably six five and probably weighed like two twenty five, two thirty. Like huge human being, but like super explosive, super powerful. Um, could run like endurance really well as uh, as well as an Australian footballer as that was required. So he would definitely be on my list. Another Australian footballer who's arguably one of the best footballers to ever play that game in the last 25 years, um, Lance Franklin. Like, again, he's just a freak of an athlete. Um, just did some things that, like, you've never seen before um, from a man that was 6'5", 220. Like, yeah, like, had agility, could turn on a dime. Like, he, he was pretty special. Like, I was only an intern working with him. But, like, yeah, he was, he was definitely pretty special. Um, coming to the States... Um, I've coached a couple of rowers that have gone to the Olympics, so like, um, so they would be, or one of those girls would have to be on the on the list. Either Molly or Erin, like to to go to the Olympics in essentially a small team slash um, Olympic sport or an individual sport. Um, they would be very close to the top of the list. Like seeing the way they went through college and then the way they progressed out of that um, was pretty insane. Um, and then soccer wise. Um, like one of the people that like had some rare unique talents in college was John Gallagher, uh, who's now at Austin FC. Um, he's speed and stuff for a young athlete and his strength as well as a soccer player was pretty insane. Um, so yeah, I would definitely have him uh, on, on my on my shortlist. And then to come up with one more, who's someone that, I, that I've coached recently that is super freakish in nature? Um, would you say Natum? is more athletic than John or vice versa? And yeah, so, uh, so uh, Nadam hadn't come to mind because he's just retired, but he would, pound for pound, jo- Johnny's stronger and more explosive than Nadam from what the data I have seven years ago. Now, I don't know where they were at. Like, I didn't see Nadam in his prime, so like that's probably, it's hard to comment on that. And I only saw John super young, but um, he was probably at his most athletic when he was like, coming into the league in MLS or leaving Notre Dame when, when I was fortunate enough to work with him. And then, yeah, some of the stuff Nathan would do, like like 1.1 metre per second for 500 pounds on a trap bar, like just stupid kind of stuff. Like So, like, like Michi, I know you like you squatted, like, heavy one day and that was a grind, but we got it out. Like, Nathan would rep that out for, like, three and just, like, walk away and then come back and do it again two minutes later. Like, this man was an absolute freak. Um, and, like, sprinting technique and, like, speed for a, an older athlete that had played... 14, 15 years professionally, like still being able to run 10 meters per second, 36K an hour is, is very impressive. So he would uh, probably be the, the fifth person that, that rounds out my list there. So we, I'm assuming that, you know, and I think we were both under the understanding there that I was not eligible for that list, which is completely fine. But that brings me to this question, and this will be our last question here for you. Who is, was, the better athlete, me or Luke? Well, that's that's a tough answer because in college he definitely had you covered, but being oh. a fat Jew, but but oh oh you hate to hear that. <laughs> in, but the reality is, um, a lot of people in the classes of 2012, 13, 14, maybe even 15 wouldn't like to know that now the fastest athlete out of any of those classes. Um, is now Nick Beasler. <laughs> so that oh, um, so, well, congrats! So just, you got me before I hit my prime, is what you're telling me. <laughs> if I would have played for four or five more years, I would have hit my prime just like you're hitting your prime. 
You can but, still work out just as much. But but just the quickness with he had you covered in college is, is exactly what the listeners were looking for. That was a very nice answer to help you out. He was trying to be politically correct and kind of do the balance beam of, or the balance, whatever, the swing and being 50-50. But like right now, like... Go ahead and finish your point. Yeah, right now, I would say you've probably ended up tipping him, but like, I'll be, oh, I only coached Luke for three years. I've been with you for, what, eight or nine now, so... So yeah, he's so got way had... more development time too. Like, I mean, this guy's got all the resources. I had you for three years. Yeah, I know. We like we accomplished some big goals. You still squatted heavier than any of us, Scott. You're still going to have done a better bench press and a better chin up than him. So, but he's oh, he's definitely I could quicker still, on the field. I now. could still do more chin ups than Beasley. That that's not even a question. <laughs> but that's not hard for, for anyone, sure. though. Let's be honest. No, it's not. All I know <laughs> is I'm the fastest guy out of all those classes. So, pretty cool. I didn't. I don't look at the numbers. I'm just a guy who goes out and runs fast. I guess. Yeah, okay. he says that, but I got a text the day that he had like the fastest speed time or whatever, and you told you Matt, you actually told him that it was faster than anything that you had seen since like Notre Dame or something like that, and he texted me immediately. So he doesn't look at the numbers, but he's very quick to relay the information. So to to support that, it's always interesting when something's gone wrong or I haven't had time to send the numbers out and. One of the first people to text me is always bees, and it's always like, hey, you got the numbers for today? It's always like he knows when something good's happened or he's, he's got something that he wants to be proud of. So it's always, I got one of those last week, and that's when he hit the 34.53. So 100.9%, I think, of his max was the previous one was like 34.4 or something. But, yeah, it was like, hey, you got the numbers yet? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, here we go. I'll send them over in a minute. So he, like, that's always that kind of stuff. It was a good day for me. I, I knew I had a good breakfast that day. I wanted to know. And it wasn't downwind either, so I'll give you credit that day. Thank you very much. I think it was also uphill, for all I know. <laughs> uphill. All right, so I think that's a good answer. I Luke's going to think that he's more athletic, but... I'm not, not going to think himself. anything. We, we heard it from the source of truth. Yeah, okay. But it's what you are in your prime, and you never got to a prime, which is a <laughs> okay. for you. It's a bummer. This isn't about you and me, though. This is about giving people winners, making people money. So let's get into week six picks. How does that sound? I'm in. Do you want me to start with my like? Why don't you start with your like? All right. Here we go. I, Are I, you good? Are you I'm good not, right now? I'm I feel like good, you need man. a second or two. I, I'm, He's a bit well, flustered, I, I, seriously. I have my I have my pick up. I'm looking at it on my sheet with everything I'm going to say, and I'm debating whether I should switch it right now because then I might pick a winner, right? So the, I'll, I'll decide at the very end of everything I say who I'm picking. Number nine, Michigan at Nebraska. Spreads Michigan minus two and a half. They're playing in Lincoln, Nebraska, Memorial Stadium at 7.30 Eastern time. Here are my thoughts on the game. Michigan's 5-0. and Nebraska's three and two, three and three. Nebraska's losses aren't bad outside of Illinois. They played a, a Michigan State team pretty close, and they played an Oklahoma team pretty close, and they just pummeled Northwestern. I get it. It's Northwestern. Who cares? But it makes me a little nervous that someone is coming in that hot, and they're probably riding some emotion. I know they're getting a lot of they're getting a lot of attention like oh this Nebraska team isn't that bad now what they're playing in a night game and everyone's going to get up for this Michigan game because everyone wants to take down Harbaugh that being said 
I tapped into our analytics team. Apparently, Michigan has a pretty good running offense. And Nebraska has an average run defense. I think they control this game from start to finish. I don't think this is where Michigan slips up. I'm taking Michigan minus two and a half. So for all the listeners, you know what that means. You're taking Nebraska plus two and a half. I was also on Michigan minus two and a half. So if you needed more reinforcement to make money, this podcast is here to make some money. So Luke and I are both on Michigan minus two and a half. You guys know what to do. Probably take Nebraska because Luke and I are both on Michigan minus two and a half. I have another game though. Boise State at number 10 BYU. Spread of this game is minus five and a half in Provo, Utah. It's a 330 game. And let me think here. BYU, it's they've got some grown men on this team. I was kind of following the Utah State game last week. And these guys just pummeled them, it seemed like. They could pick, they were getting 70-yard runs two or three times. They just were moving the line of scrimmage. I like them. Boise State I had last week, they didn't impress. The only thing about BYU right now is they've got questions at quarterback. Their starter going into the year, Hall, I think it was uh, Jeremy Hall maybe, he was injured. Their backup, Romney, he got injured last game. They're both questionable coming into this game. But at the end of the day, I think whoever they put in there, the run game is going to get them this win. BYU minus five and a half. Again, do what do what you want with that. We don't feel confident. Someone who might feel a little bit more confident in their picks. Hallie, what do you got? Okay. Um, yeah, just for the listeners, I was, uh, I'm very pro Nebraska this weekend. So maybe, maybe that's something they should follow. Maybe it's something they shouldn't, but I, I've looked at that game a ton, but I didn't have that as one of my picks. But, uh, first game for me, um, I've got number three and number four. So that's Penn State and Iowa. Um, so looking at the, at the bit of the gambling stats to start, Penn State, uh, eight and one at the spread in their last nine games. Five and two at the spread versus Iowa in their last seven games. So to me, like we've got some good, some interesting momentum going there. Uh, then the other interesting fact with this game uh, that I found very late um, was Penn State four out of five unders in their last five games, uh, and then Iowa's five out of six the under is hit. So forty-one and a half. So that could be a cheeky little one if people want on that one, but I'm not sure. That's not my bet. Um, to me, Penn State plus two and a half, that's where we're going here. Uh, Iowa looks very good on paper. Secondary, athletic, uh, defense is good. Um, they bring a lot to the table. They're being, they obviously routed Maryland last week, 51-14. Looked great doing so Friday night. They have an extra day. That's where I put the sports science hat on. Sometimes coaches get a little bit happy when you have an extra day and we decide we want to train harder for a few more days in a row. That could mean Iowa, people think, is coming fresh, but maybe Iowa actually comes in a little bit fatigued. And then you've also obviously got... uh, uh, got Clifford uh, at quarterback for Penn State. He's doing a lot better this year. I like what he's been doing for them. And then Dotson, arguably one of the best receivers in the country. Like He's a deep play threat. And to me, uh, that could be the difference in this game is, is what they can do on the offensive side of the ball uh, with Penn State. So, yeah, so for me, uh, my like of the week is Penn State plus two and a half at Iowa. What about your love? Do you have a love for us? I do have a love. And uh, I was on this team last week. Uh, I was all about them last week. Uh, after a bad Utah State bet on Friday night, I decided to get on this team. Um, 
That's Georgia minus 14 and a half. So Georgia, again, looking at the betting stats, uh, four and one at the spread this season, uh, seven and one at the spread against Auburn in their last eight matchups. To me, that's huge. Like, so it tells you like, no matter where they've been, Georgia's been handling this Auburn team. And there has been some good Auburn teams recently out there. The other thing that I found very key when looking at the, the betting stats here, Auburn one and five at the spread when they've been an underdog in their last six games. So to me, when Auburn are not good, like when they're playing a good team, they don't show up to play right now. And that's what's happening in the betting market. So for me, um, I'm big Georgia minus 14 and a half. I don't think there's a hangover. To me, Arkansas was a walkover last week. Like they just crushed that team. Like this is, this is the best front seven we've seen in football in, in a long time in college football. Like Jordan Davis, like nose tackle, absolute beast. Uh, I heard on a podcast today, apparently hit 19.8 in that game miles per hour. Now, if anyone knows a guy that's 360 running 19.8 miles per hour is insane what he brings to the table. So the other things, Penn State, when they beat Auburn, were able to throw the ball on them. Um, so I think like uh, whether Daniels plays or he doesn't play, uh, or whether they've got the backup in, I think that definitely bodes well for Georgia. And then... Um, and if Georgia can run the ball, um, I think that's important and that's going to happen in this game. They have a stable of four or five backs. Obviously, Cook is probably their number one, but he's he's legit. Like He brought it to the table last week and got them rolling early in that game. Um, and then the, the other thing is Georgia State, and we're talking about University of Georgia, old Georgia State uh, went at 5.7 uh, yards per rush when they played Auburn the other week. So if, if we can get a little bit of the Georgia State uh, run game going for University of Georgia and then get them throwing like they did uh, when Penn State played Auburn, I'm pretty comfortable that Georgia minus 14 and a half is a very good bet this weekend. I actually really like that one. Yeah, I I think Bo Nix is a fraud. He's been a fraud multiple times against Georgia too, and this Georgia defense looks pretty suffocating. I might, I might join you on that, actually. Depending how the morning games go, obviously. There is also minus seven and a half first half, which I think Georgia comes out hot early. Ooh. So that's the other thing that I looked I like at. Seven and, seven and a half first half, that may be like a side bet for myself, but I'm going to take the full game, 14 and a half, but seven and a half first half, I think is a very nice, uh, very nice bet, especially if you have a bad early morning, pick up some easy money before we hit the, the 5 p.m. games. That does sound very appealing, that seven and a half number. Might have to be a, might have to, you know, dip my you know, dip my hand into the good old Mike Beasler double lock. Do the same <laughs> game. First half, full t- full game. Luke, why don't you give us your love? Yeah, so my love, the game South Carolina at Tennessee. Spread is Tennessee minus 10.5. They're playing in Knoxville, uh, Neyland Stadium. They got the 11 or the 12 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Tennessee can't buy a later kickoff for some reason. Look, I don't know if you guys watched Tennessee last week. They look so good. I'm, I'm on the chat boards. Everyone is excited. We finally got that offense that we've been waiting for. Everything's clicking. The defense actually played solid too. We were underdogs in that Missouri game and won by like 34. Like it was a boat race. It Knoxville hasn't been this excited in forever. I anticipate, and there's rumor, Tennessee is wearing black jerseys on, for this game. Beasler, I know how much you love the jersey pick. I'm a huge jersey guy. Is that black because they're going to die? Because they're going to a funeral? Is they're going to die? Is that why they're wearing the black? No, it's it's more so, I think, a Halloween thing, potentially. Okay. We look like little pumpkins running around. Mm. But I don't like that as much. <laughs> but I think I honestly think Josh Heupel is a 
very solid coach. What they did to Missouri last week, I he said was just the tip of the iceberg. So I'm expecting this game to be like 100 to 20. And if I give up 10 and a half points, I still cover. So pick is Tennessee minus 10 and a half for my love. Here we go. Back to Tennessee. They're going to win. It feels like 96. Feels like 98. 98. 98. It feels like 98, baby. Tennessee. All right. I, so I'm on my love. I'm also, I'm going to give both my picks here, my love and my lock. And I'm sitting here Monday morning, a couple days ago, and I'm thinking, I'm doing the research, and I'm thinking, who am I going to pick? And I write down all these notes of who I'm going to pick. And I'm looking at them right now. Notre Dame at Virginia Tech, the spread's plus 0.5 for Notre Dame. I wrote down all these notes. You know, this could be a letdown spot. They're out of the college football playoff. They don't have a quarterback. It's a night game. Going to be a great game to watch. Night game at Lane Stadium for which Virginia Tech. That atmosphere when enter Sandman is incredible. If you've never seen a game there, I recommend watching one. All signs point to Virginia Tech, and I had written down I'm going to go with Notre Dame. And then I just start thinking to myself while you guys are talking, and I completely change my picks. My love, and this is this is my thought process. I'm just going to go with the best teams in the country at this point. My love is Georgia. Howie talked me into it. Minus 14 and a half, whatever. First half, that sounds good too. I'm going to go with them. They're incredible. And my lock is then Alabama. Minus 17 and a half at Texas A&M. College Station, it's a road game. They're the best team. I'm not even going to... I have all the notes down, written again, written down again of why they're going to cover. This is all I'm going to say. They're the best team in the country. I'm on the best two teams in the country this week. They're both going to cover for me. That's my love and my lock. So thanks for stealing my lock as well. So I'm all about Alabama minus 70 and a half. Like, like that hard on them for this weekend. I think like like the stats say it at the spread five and zero against the SEC West. A and M is one and four at the spread against the SEC West. Bama five and two against A and M at the spread last few games. They have the best quarterback in the country. Let's no doubt about it. Bryce Young's the best the best quarterback in college football right now, in my opinion. Um, like they 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 got a, still got a point to prove. Like why George is coming, Bama's going to keep like rocking up to play. So for me, um, I think they are the best thing on the weekend and so i've got alabama as my lock as well minus 17 and a half as the best team in the country one of the notes that i did put down on this one and i think it applies don't overthink just do i think that applies for both georgia and alabama and that's kind of why i was like uh to pick the two best teams and that's what i just went with Luke, you're the last one. What you're, do you got? You're inspiring so much confidence in our listeners. You have wavered on your picks. Now you're just teaming up with Hallie. <laughs> and Hallie, I'm sorry, but now that Beasler has officially endorsed your picks, you are going to lose money this week. Or well, what happens when they win, though? Are we are like, I surely got to be back in a few weeks' time to, to win the listeners some more money. Look, we haven't had a, a undefeated week from anyone, ourselves included, on the podcast so i will say if you go, i don't know if i've had a winning week <laughs> i don't think i have either if you go undefeated you are 100 percent. you are invited back every week until you lose a game okay and even if even if you're not like if you can't even make it just send in your picks and we'll 
announce we'll give him. like a celeb pick. Yeah. Okay. We'll say, hey, this is Howie's picks for the for the real money to be made here, and then here's Luke and Nick's crappy picks to pick against. All right. So I think my lock is the only one that's left. It's the LSU at number 16, Kentucky. The over-under is 50 and a half. I think this is the first, first over-under pick. I'm, I got to break the mold. Uh, they're playing in Lexington, Kroger Field, 7.30 Eastern time. And look, that last week against Florida, such an emotional win. LSU at home against Auburn, such an emotional loss. I think these teams are emotionally depleted. I think it's going to be a gross game. I would not tune in. But I don't think any points are going to be scored. I think this is a typical SEC score, like 24-17. And I don't think you want to watch any piece of this. Just collect your money at the window under 50 and a half. Gross. Just gross. The fact that your lock is in under makes me sick. Look, it's, it's stressful. For anyone who doesn't has never been an under it is the most stressful you're doing so much math throughout the game but you are so happy when field goals are missed and turnovers happen inside the red zone and and that's when you know it's it's over what really comes to hurt you though we can't have any sort of overtime bs it's got to be 14 24 17 game over all right that's our first over under pick that's like you mentioned that is crazy I was just going to say, um, NFL, Chargers and Raiders game last night, the under was the play. But then even with that, for me, it was sweating it out the whole game. And same thing as Luke said, you're just sitting there doing the math, going, if they kick a field goal, then they get a touchdown, what the hell's going to happen? And it was painful when you sit there right to the last second because you're so <laughs> yeah. worried that something dramatic is going to happen and kill your bet. Oh, yeah. And I was on that Chargers game too. Luckily for me, I, I went to bed real early. And I thought it was in the bag the whole time. And I woke up and I get these texts from Luke. Ooh, that number's going to be close. And I was like, did I win? I won. Okay. I didn't have to stress over any of it. I feel like that's what you I was up and doing the math. I was up and doing the math for you. I was like, oh, no. If If the Chargers hit a field goal and then the Raiders make a touchdown and a field goal, it's OT and you're dead. Thank you for doing that. I was I was in bed watching a different show. It was great. Didn't have to stress. You got a great support, great support system. I did. I did. What a friend. Okay, those are your picks. That's. I think I'm feeling good. I've got the two best teams in the country. How, how can you not feel good about that? We're on to our, you know, tradition now. End of the show. Snake draft of best TV shows. Before we get started, last week was by far the most interaction we've gotten on the snake draft all year. And I loved it. It was awesome. People sending out texts, replying to the Instagram. It was awesome. You still think you won, even though I think it was clear your Sonic pick absolutely, it could have been the worst 1-1 pick in all the drafts we've seen so far. Look, I said when I picked it, I might have overvalued it and the potential, but honestly... When Ubba picks Crystal and Subway and Bojangles, like I couldn't afford Sonic coming off the board because I think it was in his crosshairs. Yeah. All the bad picks were in Abba's crosshairs, which is why Sonic at 1-1 was not a good pick. 
I think I ended up winning, not because I had that strong of a draft. I just think it was clearly, Abba clearly got last. And I just think I, I think I managed to beat you. Anyways, this week we're under the best TV shows. Howley, why don't you choose the order? It'll be a snake draft as always. I don't think you're going to get lost in the snake, but why don't you choose the order? Um, I'll go second. I'll, to, I'll go second. Uh, let's have Misha go first again so he can pick a dud first up and then Bees, you can drop third. <laughs> All right, there, I like it. There's a lot of pressure with the first pick. Okay, I'll go. My, my, I feel this is the least comfortable I've ever felt in a draft because I'm only doing shows that you've watched. I feel like that's the only way you can do it, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, I, ha- I, I don't think I've watched enough of the... The really good ones. If I feel like you've, if I feel like anyone's picked a show that they actually haven't seen and just looked it up online, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quiz you, and we're gonna figure it out Thank if you're you. a fraud. I, I, I like it. All right, I'll start. I've got. Uh, do I worry about my most recent, the most recent show, or do I worry about the? All right, you know what? First overall pick, The Sopranos. No question about it. I'm not gonna let that come off the board. Have you guys seen it? That's no. That's another show I haven't seen. <laughs> Dang, yeah, I should have left it. <laughs> no, that's you can't leave that one. You just can't take the chance. I, I've heard that it's a really, really good. Apparently. I would have loved to have it on in contention on my list, but I couldn't put it. Very good. Good pick. One one. Much better than Sonic. Hallie, <laughs> pick two. Um. All right. Pick two for me. Uh, Entourage. Um. One of the best shows for people in our era, I would say. So Entourage. Um. Is for me. Uh. It will be pick two in the snake draft. That's a good pick. I didn't put that on my list, but wow, completely forgot about it. But we have someone really in our, pick. have someone in our group called that goes by Vinny Chase. Apparently, that's what he says his name is. So like for for that reason, it has to get picked at some point. Yeah, but he's a loser. He wishes he was like Vinny Chase. <laughs> Talking to you, Vince Cicerelli. <laughs> he won't listen. He doesn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pick three. Pick three and four. I'm going to go with Game of Thrones and The Office. I don't have a strong list, but those two are, I think, decent picks. Game of Thrones, say what you want about the ending. Yep, yes, the ending was horrible. It was a horrible, horrible ending. But you can't disregard the whole first seven seasons or however many that that show was so good it's the only thing people talked about for the first seven seasons the office everybody knows the office you can watch the office any time of the week any time of the day it always plays those are my two picks office is a good pick thank you yeah i haven't seen the office so i can't comment there all right um pick five um i'm gonna go with something a little bit older here um I'm going to go with Home Improvement. One of the best shows on TV in the 90s. Like, great show. It was like a uh, a dad-son show for me and my dad. So, yeah, Home Improvement. Uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor, Al Borland, Wilson the and guy pe- peeking over the... Taylor. Yeah, and then Wilson peeking over the fence. Great show. Uh, Daryl enjoyed that back in the 90s. You guys may not even be old enough to remember that one. No, I've seen that plenty of times. It was on my oldest brother, Matt. That was probably one of his favorite shows, and that is a great show. I don't think it could have made my top list because I didn't watch it enough, but certainly enjoyable. Luke? All right. My, or the sixth overall pick, my second pick, is the first season of True Detective. And I'm allowed to do that because the seasons are not connected they're that's bush they're they're totally different storylines but the first season 
is actually the best season of TV I've ever seen. Have you guys That's seen it? Bush League. Have you seen it? Yes, that was Dude, I took it's that so off good. my list. Oh. Because that's that's Bush League. If it's true detective, you can't that's you criticizing my Game of Thrones pick because the last season was no good, and then now you're gonna say I only want one season of this show? It's like American Horror Story. It's like they're separate non related seasons. Whatever, man. I can I can, I have a good fourth alternative. I mean I got I got a good fourth alternative. No, you you need a win for the best TV shows, <laughs> okay. so we'll give it to you. Okay, I'll take it. The th- yeah, you need it. The z- okay, now I don't want it. Now I want to pick a different show. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll pick my seventh, and I'll give you like a qualifier other in case you want to substitute it. My, the seventh pick, Succession on HBO. So good. It's about to come out, season three mid of October. I've got Aaron watching it. You wouldn't think like girls would like it. She's all into it. It's such a good show if you haven't seen it. Have you seen it? Never seen it. Never heard about it. Did, yeah, Probably I think it's fake. It sounds fake. Succession? Yeah. You haven't seen it. That's what he's saying. He's calling you Oh, out. you're calling me out? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's about the Roy family. They run a multimedia business it's like a 10 billion dollar business there's two three kids kendall roy siobhan roy she goes by shiv and then roman roy they're all it's like a part of me thinks it's a like they're kind of poking fun at the trump kids because you have like the the older kid older boy who's like put together but like kind of like druggy you have like the girl who's like in politics and then you have like the younger younger son who's like complete screw up um yeah all right all right nobody cares howie go ahead and give your pick this this snake draft is off the rails <laughs> all right um i've got a couple here to toss up between but this one was one that i watched when i was uh going through through early days of college uh one tree hill uh was a only a four season or no sorry one tree hill was nine seasons i think it was something else i was thinking it was four Lucas and Nathan Scott, Peyton was hot. That's why all the guys watched it because Peyton was a smoke show. So One Tree Hill was very good. It was honestly probably the first box set I think I bought on DVD as well. So that shows you how much I enjoyed it to get to go get it on box set. What was the it was it was uh Haley? Is it Haley that, that marries Nathan? Is that yeah. right? I, I never saw it, but I do kinda like those. I'm watching this isn't on my list, but I'm watching the OC right now with my girlfriend. And I'm hooked. OC's good. I've watched that many times. Box set as well, have it. It is really good. I'm yeah. like loving it. Yeah. It's like the nighttime show. It's like, all right, I can't wait. You ready? Are you are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Showtime. Turn off the lights. We're watching the OC. It's <laughs> Aaron and unbelievable. I, Aaron and I did that with uh Sex in the City and we blew through it in like a month and a half. The whole like six or seven seasons or whatever. Yeah, you find some of those shows that you maybe be a little antsy or on the fence about and they turn into be your favorite show to watch <laughs> it, it always starts with what is this this is so dumb and then like a couple episodes in you're like well what happened did they did yeah. they break up <laughs> or, or hey just one more episode before bed one more episode before bed yeah. <laughs> i'll give it yeah it's okay it's getting better one more okay yeah one more one more seven o'clock tonight and okay. then i'm on the couch and something happens oh no <laughs> you were the tissues <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. Uh, We're not even done with the snake draft yet. I'm going to go ahead and give my ninth pick. This is going to be something completely different. I don't feel good about my list, but I know this show is good. That's Planet Earth. All of the Planet Earths. Does that count? Yeah, I'll give you Planet Earth if I get True Detective Season 1. Because <laughs> they're not... I mean, it's not like your traditional TV show, but those shows are awesome. If you want to talk about a show to fall asleep to, whew, just listen to that guy talk all day. All right, that's... that. Anybody have any honorable mentions? I have nothing, because I was thinking about Friends. That was my one honorable mention. Oh, dude. Friends should have been on the list. I would have said Seinfeld. That's a classic, too, before my time. Yeah. I'm, like, forgetting. I, like, feel like I forgot shows. And I, I tried yeah, to be cool. I, I'm trying to win a vote, and I just forgot, like, some very core shows in my life. Yeah, you pandered. You needed to win. I did. You really pandered to get a win. Everybody, please give some good feedback. Let Luke win one here. He needs it, clearly. He's pandering to all the listeners, all 30 of you guys. But that's our that was a that was a rough snake draft. I feel like we were off the rails there. But as always, it was fun. Howie, we that was awesome. Thanks, that was, Matt. Again, another really enjoyable interview. We you got some good insight to those football picks too, and I think I, I like that I'm on your side of the the picks this time around. Let's be honest. When we normally talk and we're on the right side, generally, I would say more often than not, we, we end up on a good thing. It's very rarely we end up on a bad thing. So let's hope it turns out that's what, that way this weekend. Yeah, but Beezer did no analytics. He's just writing you. <laughs> yeah, but I did all the analytics. I picked the Bama pick first, and I said Bama minus 17 and a half just because they're the two best teams. Anyways, this we are, we're off the rails again. Here we go. As always, though, Hallie, that... We'll, we'll we'll check back in if you go three and zero like you you think you might. We'll have to get your picks in again for next week, and we'll we we need some good winners. So at this point, we're desperate for anyone. If anyone has a three and zero week, just let us know. You're on the show. You're on. You're hired. But that's it. That is our. I think we we started out saying it was episode five. I think we decided that was episode six. So thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. 